Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 120 of Confessions of a Market Maker. I'm your co-host, Ray, a.k.a. All Day Ray, a.k.a. Cannoli Fingers. And I'm joined here by my witty co-host, former market maker of 20 years and current day retail trader, the proper villain hanging paper since 94, the Gorilla of Howe Street. JJ, how are we doing? Good, brother. How are you? Good, good, good. Did, did I get the year right? I don't know. Did, did 94, 94 or somewhere in the area, right? Yeah, I started in, well, I started in, in 90, 92 as a phone chimp in a boiler room. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't start trading until 96, actually. But I was uh, I was a phone chimp for a couple of years before that. <laughs> yeah. And and most importantly, what, what, what were the uh, the bouncer days? Were, was those like the late 80s or what, what time period were we looking for those? Yeah, 1988 to 1991 were my bouncer days. Yeah, which uh, <laughs> taught me more about this business than uh, I could ever learn even at Harvard. <laughs> what a what a time to be uh, around the uh, the club scene then, huh? That, that's oh. awesome. Yeah, back back when when cameras were banned inside nightclubs, the way it should be. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you're not wrong there. You're not wrong there. So, <laughs> uh, so today, folks, uh, we're doing uh continuing our series here of uh you know deep dive on some stocks. Len JJ pick them apart. What's going on behind the scenes here? And uh, today, the one we're gonna be talking about uh, a stock that's been really hot here lately. I know a lot of retail eyes have been on it. I, obviously, just a lot of eyes in general doing a lot of volume. Um. And, and I'm kind of upset I missed it a little bit, JJ. I had this, I had this on my my watch list. I wanted to short it. I, I was out a couple of days last week though, so I missed some of the good down days. Um, and we're talking about here, uh, C, tri, or quadruple C, C C C C. Yeah, why don't you tell the people a little bit about this one? I I I love what they've done with this stock, not from an investor's perspective, but I love it from an insider's perspective because. This stock, they got it over that magic $5 level and they held it there for a couple of days. And when that happened, we have a saying in this business, when the street takes a stock, that's when you attract so much retail buying that it starts to have a snowball effect. And if you're a net seller, which means if you finance this company, you can see here, you know, just a little while ago at the beginning of December, this stock was trading, you know, under two bucks, right? And then all of a sudden, this meteoric rise to five, get a nice print up here at $8 in that one four-hour candle, and then right back down to five. But you can see I've got a volume profile up here, and it shows you how much distribution of stock there was over that $5 level. Um, this trip, my volume filters the first day, the first couple of days, here I'm going to show you, on this particular day, it traded $970 million worth of stock, okay? 221 million shares between 3 and $6. That is a dream for someone who is a long, because they just get to sell their position into it. Day two was even be day two was even better. Day two was amazing on this stock, and I it brought to my attention it traded over a billion dollars in dollar volume on the day two of the pump between eight 
and five bucks, a billion dollars. Now let's put these numbers in perspective. Okay, so it traded almost $2 billion worth of stock in a two-day period. But the price is still five bucks, mm-hmm. right? That means somebody was selling a lot of stock into the float. The published float for this stock is 39 million shares, which means they turned the float over multiple, multiple times without any price appreciation. So when that happens, folks, it means that they are selling or dumping an insane amount of stock off something that we call a convertible debenture or some sort of debt instrument that allows people who loan the money to the company to convert their stock, to convert their debt into equity, into a share position. And when you put out some nice news, it just brings everybody into the nightclub and you can just sell them everything you own. So looking at this stock, I I was just fascinated how a $5 stock could bring in $2 billion worth of trading in a two-day period. And I would say the folks who own the debt on the company, um, you know, they they would be 20 to 30% of that volume. So at the end of the day, I mean, if I was trading this for my clients, we'd have $200 million, $300 million in cash in our accounts on this particular day. The other day, another $200 million. This is how large money is made in these markets, is by financing these companies on the cheap, getting cheap paper, as we call it, cheap stock, And then hopefully the dream is that the street takes it. And when the street takes your stock, there's no, you actually run out of stock to sell. Um, Today, you can see it currently trading at 437. And what I came up with to really help people is to look, basically here, you got a four hour chart. And I had a lot of people saying, hey, is this going to get over $5 again? Well, we're trading 437 right now, and you can look at this is a four-hour candlestick chart. It shows how much stock was sold over $5. We call that overhanging supply. So to get back up over five, six, seven dollars, we're going to have to chew through all that volume. So over the holidays, we're going to see whether or not they can maybe do a surprise move up at the end of the year. Next week when no one's watching, that's always a popular thing, right? Mm. But this is a wonderful, wonderful way to show investors why if something has a published float of 40 million shares and then it goes and trades three, four, 500, 600 million shares of stock and it doesn't move, it's very obvious that there's dilution going on and somebody is selling a lot of stock into that buying. Mm. For sure. I might, that might, you know, you just explaining that last part there. I mean, it, you know, if it can chew through that, that might not be a bad long setting up. Like you said, maybe catch people uh, by surprise. Uh, yeah, that end toast. of yeah. end you of, see the that end happen. Of the year, you see that happen. The end of the year is when fund managers stop selling. They mark markets up so their portfolios look good, right? It, mm-hmm. it is a possibility, but I'd be watching that $5 level like a hawk. Because $5 is an important level. Most funds can't participate unless it's over 5 bucks, especially my big money managers, right? For because, sure. you know, if a stock's under $5, you can't borrow against it, so it becomes worthless. 
So, you know, that's, it's, it's $5 was always a big number in the old days when you were like working in a boiler room uh, to get people to buy stock, the broker would have to send them a penny stock letter. So that's why if it's over $5, they could just buy it over the phone. If it was under $5 in the old days, the boiler room would have to send them a penny stock letter and the, and the client would have to say, okay, I know it's, it's a piece of crap and I'm, I'm taking a flyer and you know, I'm, I'm not holding the brokerage firm responsible. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I got, I got, um, got a couple of questions, uh, for you here, JJ. And uh, shout out, shout out to the people, um, in our room in our equities ETC room, who had some real good trades on this. Um, it was definitely a delight to see that. Uh, JJ. So the, you know, the catalyst. Now, I, I, I do like, you know, checking out what the catalyst is, you know. And I think we talked mm -hmm. about this last episode. You can kind of gauge whether it's BS. Maybe it's legit. Um, it depends. I try not to put too, too much weight into it, but I like to at least be like a little bit aware of it. And, and the catalyst on this one was, um, perhaps interesting. Maybe not. We'll get your take on it. Um, so they did a deal. They had a, um, I don't know. What does this say here? Um, develop antibodies, you know, et cetera, et cetera, doing a deal with, uh, the company Merck. So I guess this is a big mm -hmm. biotech company Merck. Um, yep. and, they get 10 mil up front. So that was really all the money they're getting up front with, you know, oh, there's incentives in the back end. I know your girlfriend is uh, in the medical industry and she, and you guys talked about it. You wanted to share that with the listeners. Yeah. Well, she, I mean, these news releases, if you look at the news releases on these crazy things, you basically need a PhD um, in order to understand the news. That's the problem with these things. You know, you're talking about, Completed monotherapy dose escalation demonstrates anti-myeloma <laughs> activity and immunomodulatory effects to support CFT745 in combination. Well, now, like, that's not really coffee table talk. That's not really going around the water cooler. Most of these news releases are worded that only someone with a PhD in uh, biochemistry or... Uh, immunology or whatever the heck's going on oncology this is what they understand so the news release is great and there's nothing wrong with it except it's very very hard to understand and for a retail investor unless you come from a biotech background a lot of this stuff is hard to understand but what people do see is they see that volume and they see the price go from two to five and then they think from five to ten is no problem and mm -hmm. that's what traps people. And you can see where they're trapped right here. You can see these big purple bars of volume. And that's where the funders who funded this thing at a discount to $1.29, that's where they're selling their stock into that retail buying and cashing up before the end of the year. And um, I mean, kudos to them. I mean, if you were able to, you know, I, I there was a deal that, that came out after 9-11 and I remember the company like it was yesterday. It was a NASDAQ stock and it was trading between five and eight bucks. And it was, they said that they had a bomb detector and what they had done is they took a metal detector that the old guys use on the beach and they welded this piece of metal box on the end of it, called it a bomb detector and they railed that stock. And one of my clients had taken down, or funded the company on a convertible venture, um, in a week he made $40 million. In a week. The, the crew in itself cashed out for $800 million between maybe six guys. 
um, during a week. And it was, I've never seen anything like it. Now you see it every day. You see something trade a billion dollars in a day is nothing. But back then, uh, 20 years ago, it yeah, was, sure. you know, to see, you know, because I was doing the trading and I was selling for this guy. You know, I was selling stock between five and eight dollars all day long. 10,000 shares, 10,000 shares, 20,000 shares, 100,000 shares. This guy made $40 million in a week on an investment. Gosh, I don't think he put in more than a million into the deal, you know. Um, so that's how big money is made in these markets. These guys get stock at a massive discount. Um, you know, if the stock's trading here, you know, between a dollar and two, the, the funders get their discount at a 30%, 40% discount to market price. So when it rips, their, their profits are just exponential. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But, you know, and the, the, I guess the thing with this, this catalyst to me that, you know, like like you said, I, I don't I don't know what the hell any of this is saying, but I saw, <laughs> you know, it said ten million up front, and then they tried to be like, oh well, but there's incentives that could equal two billion, and so to me, kind of just the way that, because because I mean, we know like ten million like in this industry is really not much, right? Like that's yeah. that's 10 not million much. Of, yeah, you know, a, a couple of Mercedes Benz leases, uh, some new suits, a couple of <laughs> pair of shoes. That CEO is going to roast through that ten million dollars. He's going to go through that faster than poop goes through a goose. Yeah. You know, uh, so these guys, I mean, because I know I've funded companies all my life. And as soon as you give the CEO some cash, they go from driving a Toyota to an S class. Um, you know, all of a sudden they're, they're wearing, you know, Zengia suits. Um, and you know, because they got to look good for the investors and it's it just, you know, the, the corporate waste is just ridiculous in these deals yeah. and they have to sell stock because they don't make any money to fund the company from revenue. So the way they fund these things is by selling stock at a discount. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the, the last thing I wanted to ask you about, cause I think it might be good for the listeners. Cause I, I see people uh, give weight to these like analysts upgrades. Uh, right. Oh. And I saw that, you know, the C4 therapeutics, they got some like upgrades. Um, I mean, in, in your opinion, do these things mean anything? I mean, I like, I, sometimes I think it's like, you kind of go the opposite of it sometimes I feel like, because I know you've had some experience with these um, well, behind the scenes. Definitely. Like the analyst report, usually the analyst has some sort of agenda. Now, at least they have to declare that because if the analyst firm has an investment banking agreement with the company, then of course the analyst is not going to put on a bad report on the company, right? Mm -hmm. Because they have a relationship. Uh, if the company that the analyst works for holds a position, they have to declare it. And hopefully they do. Uh, in the old days, in the penny stock days, we would always pay an analyst to write a research report to lend the deal some credibility. So every time I took a, pu a company public, I had two or three guys who were analysts and you, you, you flip them 10 grand, they write a report, and then you send that report to investors. Now, in more larger companies, it's a little different, but there's usually some sort of, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours with these reports. So analyst reports are generally something that you want to take, you know, and, and uh, you know, you don't want to give too much credit to it. You really want to, with these kind of deals, is you want to lift up the hood of the company and see what's under the engine. When you see something trade $2 billion worth of stock and the price is lower, 
Um, you know, if you put that kind of buying into this stock and nobody sold, it would be 20, 30, 40, $50 bid right now instead of 443, right? Obviously, somebody dumped a ton of stock into this into this promotion. Mm -hmm. Yep, for sure. And just a reminder to the listeners here uh, that this podcast, if you um, have the skills that's an evaluation. You can become a prop trader fully funded by either Apex or Top Set Funding. Our own micro futures trading community has many members who are now fully funded. There's no need to trade your own money. You can keep 90% of the profits. To learn more, you can visit our website at microefutures.com. JJ, I always appreciate the conversation. Appreciate you breaking this down. Um, I do, I do want to bring the conversation back to the beginning, though. Because uh, it made me think, you know, we're talking about the clubs in the beginning, right? Uh, <laughs> were there sparklers on the bottles back in the late eighties, early nineties? No, definitely not. That was <laughs> that that all that stuff didn't didn't you know? Only I never you know. Now people are like they're 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 living it up like high rollers, and good for them. But man, no clubs. No, it's were stupid. Hey, listen, it's JJ it's stupid. You know? If you ask me, don't put. I don't need the sparkles on the yeah. bottles. Just bring me the. You know? <laughs> And they didn't have bottle service then, you know, they didn't have all of those things. Maybe in the really high end clubs, I still remember I had a buddy of mine who was uh, an Asian billionaire um, who, you know, was just living off his family money and he would buy bottles of Cristal and pass them up, but he didn't get any sparklers, you know, and uh, good. <laughs> I don't know. Eventually, I eventually his family yanked him back to Asia because he was spending too much money, but he had a good time. <laughs> yeah, that's good all right well that's going to conclude today's episode of confessions of a market maker if you guys enjoyed this episode please rate and review it for us if you'd like to join a professional and supportive community of traders you can join us at micro efutures.com i'm paulie walnuts he's the gorilla of house street you stop though